One, two, three. This is the Cider Ranch Podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. Go ahead. Good evening, all you Crescentennies, and thanks once again for dipping into a little Cider Ranch. We have found ourselves on episode 24, and we have yet again another incredible guest for you guys today. He's a co-host of the VanCast with Jay Pat and Drancer, finds himself in the host chairs for TSN 1040's daily sports shows from time to time. He's covered the 2010 Olympics, and of course, the Canucks daily reporter, TSN's very own Jeff Patterson. Jeff, thanks for coming on. How are you today? I'm uh, delighted. I'm I'm guest 24, am I, or were there guests right from the start of we, the program? We didn't start with any guests. Oh, okay. So I'm I'm actually higher up the list than 24. <laughs> you're yeah, you're nice. probably I don't know seven or eight, but like I'd yeah. say you're I, I'd say you're seven or eight, but right now top, it's looking good. I'd just say you're ten. number one in our hearts. Yeah, top ten top for sure. Ten. We've actually sure. had a couple. Um, we had um, we actually did Jay on right before. Um, and we also had on um, Rick Dollywall as well. So we've been uh, we've been kind of going down the the TSN tree, so to speak. But it's been awesome. Yeah. So um, thank you so much for for coming on. We really appreciate that. How's it going? Good. It's uh, as we record. This is an off night, obviously, as the Canucks get set to officially play playoff hockey after uh, the yeah. play-in round. It's still getting used to sort of the semantics there, but uh, it is officially playoff hockey and. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's cool to sort of feel that vibe in the city again. It's been a long time coming, obviously. And, you know, I mean, I've been on the job for 20 years in this market and yep. longer than that covering hockey. Yep. So I've seen a lot of dark days for the Vancouver Canucks, but I was there every step of the way as well in 2011. So, you know, not suggesting that they're going to win the Stanley Cup this spring or this summer, although hockey in a bubble, uh, you know, all bets are off to some degree. So, you know, I was pretty impressed with the way they played against Minnesota and you know you're gonna have to beat some good teams along the way so pretty intriguing matchup to draw the stanley cup champs here in the first official round of the playoffs definitely and and hey jeff not to because i'll be honest with you like i've been listening to you for years probably going back 10 plus years now ever since i was quite young and and honestly just hearing your voice now it's extremely nostalgic for me because you have such (laughs) a you have such a very unique radio voice and it's just such a whenever i hear you on the radio it's very distinguishable in the sense that hey that's jeff patterson i gotta tune in because this is jeff now on our show we always like before we get into the Canucks, because I know that's a really a topic of our discussion, we always want to have conversations about with people about um, their background and like what they've done in the past. And for us personally, we like to have interesting conversations. Um, If, if someone were to ask you how you started up in the business and what motivated you to be where you are today, what would you tell them? I grew up in a household with the radio on nonstop uh, from like seven in the morning till eight or nine at night. If the Canucks were playing later than that, Locked on CKNW, uh, which was, you know, they called themselves the top dog. And really, I mean, they were the big station. This is way before all sports or two all sports stations in the market. And so, you know, it was news. It was talk. It, they had a, a large sports department. They had the Canucks broadcast. And that was just, I mean, my parents flipped the radio on in the morning. And I sort of developed this fascination for these voices, these varied voices in this box that were talking to me. And you know, they, they felt like part of the family. They would be there when we were eating breakfast. They would be there through the day, the talk shows. And, uh, you know, I, I, there was just something about having this form to express yourself. And, and 
for these guys that had opinions on the talk shows. Like I loved when they would start sparring with their guests and, you know, to me that was, it was exciting. And so I, I, from a young age, uh, probably younger than most of, you know, most people would, would suggest that they got into talk radio. So, but it was just, there was something really cool about it to me. And so, you know, that was the introduction. I won't say that at the time I was eight years old, I was like, Hey, I'm going to get into hockey broadcasting, but I do think that the seed was planted that like, this is really cool. Like, and, and, you know, I became a big fan of Jim Robson and Tom Larshide and listened. I would, you know, one of those guys that would, you know, with a transistor radio and an earplug and fall asleep listening Canuck game, to Canuck games. And uh, it just kind of grew from there. And if you ask my parents, you know, by the time I was probably 12, like I had a sense that, Hey, these guys are getting paid to talk about sports and talk about hockey and do play-by-play and all that kind of stuff. And so it just kind of was gradual from there. But certainly by the time I was in high school, I had a pretty clear view of what I wanted to do with my life. Now, no guarantees, obviously, but I sort of laid out a bit of a game plan. Everybody in my family had gone to UBC. I'm born and raised in North Van, live there now as well. So I've come full circle. But everybody in my family, my parents and both of my older brothers had gone to UBC. So it just sort of seemed like you know, there was a little internal pressure, you know, to, to follow and get a degree. Like if broadcasting didn't work out, at least I wanted to have a university degree. And I, and I didn't really feel like I knew I wanted to go to BCIT and take the broadcasting program, but it's a two-year program and, you know, it gets you ready for the real world. And I didn't yeah. think coming out of high school, if I was 17 or 18, I didn't think by the time I was 19 or 20 that I would be ready to jump into the broadcast biz you know, back then, I say way back then, I mean, this is the early 90s, you know, it was, uh, this is pre-internet, like, these were the pros, right, like, these were big time, big voices, and, and people I had grown up listening to, and I was a little intimidated, so I, I I wanted to get, you know, four years at university was going to allow me to grow up, I could go have some fun, uh, and the whole plan was always to go to BCIT, which ultimately I did, and as it turned out, the UBC thing was good. I've got a degree in political science. I hope to never have to use it, but uh, <laughs> it's there filed away somewhere, the diploma. But it allowed me to grow up, right? Like it just, it, those years yeah. from 18 to 22, I mean, you do a ton of growing. And, and as it turned out, I got into the campus radio station at UBC at CITR. First year, I focused on my studies. And once I felt like I had a year under my belt and kind of had to lay the land, most of my Friday and Saturday nights were spent calling play-by-play of UBC hockey or basketball or football when a lot of my buddies were joining fraternities and going to frat parties you know I would go to the frat party after I had you know put in a shift on a Saturday night but uh you know I didn't feel like I missed out like I still had the social side of that whole university experience but I was also really getting practical hands-on experience doing this play-by-play I hosted a talk show uh you know through the radio station at UBC the Canucks allowed us twice a month to go with a press pass into the press box. That's the first time I ever covered a Vancouver Canuck game. Uh, in fact, it was Trevor Linden's rookie year. Wow. And wow. yeah, so, you know, it was a great hands-on experience before I ever got to BCIT. And when I got to BCIT, you know, I was so far ahead of my classmates in the early going. Now they caught up. Like I went through school with some really talented people at BCIT, but I, you know, talk about feeling confident, like you were ahead of the class. Like I had had three years of on air where some of these people signed up and had never been in front of a microphone. It's not like today where, you know, two guys like you can throw together a podcast and get actual hands-on experience at the microphone. You know, it was different then and the landscape was totally different. So 
yeah, I, I look back fondly on those years at UBC doing play-by-play, -play, uh, getting a chance to cover all sorts of different sports, even though hockey was always my, my love. I mean, this is sort of how old I am and how different the landscape is in the media now. Yeah. There were a lot of nights back then in the early 90s when Jim Robson was calling a Canucks game on NW and I was calling a UBC hockey game on CITR and we were the only two guys in Vancouver doing hockey play-by-play. -play. Like the Giants didn't exist. You know, they're, now like all the midget teams have online play-by-play -play and, you know, there's just so many more opportunities. But, but back then there weren't. And so, you know, I saw it for what it was. I jumped at every chance that I could get to get in front of a microphone. And, you know, here I am all these years later still behind a mic. So I, I think that time then... Uh, was what you know it served me well and I look back on it uh, remarkably fondly that's that's incredible and I, I think it I think it's really cool to see how because it's, it's very similar to kind of what Jay told us as well as the you, you know your start from back then from being so far ahead of kind of your classmates at that time and being able to <clears throat> have the hands-on experience before you're getting into what you're getting into really kind of put you in a spot to succeed and so you were saying that you were starting to do commentary on on junior hockey and things like that so and you were saying that you that, that kind of was the precursor to the Canucks. Was so that how you kind of got in got into the Canucks then from just doing all that? And did, well, did someone approach you one time, or did, or was that something that you kind of had to like apply for? I know that's not the correct term, but like, well, I mean, the dream was always to do play by play. Yeah, and certainly in the NHL, you know, that was the hope. And and I, I sort of joke that the dream isn't dead; it's just on a shelf somewhere. Uh, it's not sure. likely to happen, but you never say never in this business. So. Uh, you know, I'm not anticipating that I'm going to get a chance to do NHL play-by-play -play at this stage. And look, I've had a, a, a terrific career. I, I'm not the least bit uh, frustrated or dis disappointed. Times change, life change. It takes you in, you know, different avenues. And, uh, you know, so like, I think back to those UBC days and it's funny. I mean, I, I don't have recordings of some of the things that I did, but it would be a, a, you know, a riot to go back and listen. Now, you know, like I would do talk shows. I had a Monday talk show, a half an hour focused mostly on campus sports. Nobody was listening. Like CITR is an alternative music station. Uh, you know, they, they looked at me kind of funny. I was this guy yeah. on the straight and narrow that you, uh, you know yeah. didn't really fit in, but I saw it for what it was, which was an opportunity to, yeah. yeah to do what I wanted to everybody like that was the beauty of CITR they let anybody sort of do whatever they wanted if you were willing to put in the time and so I wanted to do sports so they cut me a half hour slot on Mondays I, I swear my grandfather was the only person that listened <laughs> and he listened religiously and I thank him uh you know rest his soul but you know he would tell me what I would talk about. So I knew he was listening. Like he wasn't just blowing smoke. Like I know that he had been listening, uh, but it, what a great way to make mistakes and, and, you know, yeah. just kind of, again, get that experience. So I, I went from UBC to BCIT and I got really lucky, like along the way, I think anybody that's had a successful career gets some bounces and out of BCIT, I was still living at home with my parents and, you know, they had been patient with six years of schooling and they knew that, you know, I had this dream of getting into broadcasting and, and look, I was prepared to move far afield. Like at that time, people were moving out of BCIT and taking jobs in Dawson Creek and Smithers and Chetwind and some Dawson of those places. Dawson Creek has come up a lot actually. In yes, our, yeah. our and and, and yeah. look, times have changed. Now I think, you know, guys are working their way, blogging and podcasting and, and it's awesome. It, it's so cool to have you know, these different avenues into the business. But back then it was way more traditional. It was go to broadcast school 
and yeah. start sending out tapes and hope that somebody liked your sound. And so I had this opportunity right out of ECIT. I had a, an offer to go and work. It was a TV and radio. It was sort of a two-in-one up in Terrace. And I knew where Terrace was on a map, but I'd never been anywhere close. I think Prince George was the closest I'd ever been. And, you know, here I had never moved away from home and, and really was scared shitless to, you know, Terrace. Of, uh, but again, I, I knew that that was po a possibility that I might have to start in a, a small town. So I talked to the guy there, the boss, and he said, you know, take a day. I know this is like a big adjustment for you, but we'd like to have you. And, and here's the offer. And, you know, take a day and by noon tomorrow, get back to me. I woke up that morning and I was prepared. I was like, all right, we're wow. going to Terrace. And it, it's just kind of funny the way things work. Like an hour before I got ready to call the guy back, the news director from CHNL in Kamloops called. Oh, and I was like, Kamloops? Wow. Like, I've been to Kamloops. Like yeah. Kamloops just, <laughs> I can drive to Kamloops, you know, <laughs> by noon. Like I know where Kamloops is. Yeah. And I also knew that the radio station in Kamloops had the rights to the Kamloops Blazers. And did their broadcasts. And, you know, in my head, I had sort of mapped these things out about, you know, if I'm getting it to the NHL, I want to get into the Western Hockey League by the time I'm 30. That was sort of what I had in my head. I, I want to be a play-by-play -play guy in the Western Hockey League by the time I'm 30. Right. So the guy from Kamloops phones and he says, it's only a summer job, but there's a possibility of work beyond if it all goes well. And I was like, I'll bet on myself here. I'll take summer work and see where it goes. If it doesn't work out, you know, I'm that three hour drive from home rather yeah. than being up in Terrace if I didn't like what had happened and, and if it hadn't gone well in Terrace. So phoned the guy in Terrace, thanked him and, you know, he wished me well. And uh, I moved to Kamloops. I, it was a news job. It wasn't sports, but I took every opportunity I could to do sports cast, to get involved with their coverage of the Kamloops Blazers. And this is at a time when the Blazers were, like they were it, right? They had won the Memorial Cup in 1992. I went the summer of 93. So, you know, they were the top junior team in North America. And I was really fortunate. I knew that the guy that was doing play-by-play, -play, he aspired to get to the National Hockey League and he was really good. Oh, wow. And wow. A, year, a year after I had moved to Kamloops, again, you talk about bounces, Kelly Moore, was hired straight out of junior to do the play-by-play -play for the Winnipeg Jets wow. 1.0 before they moved to Arizona. Yeah. So, you know, that tells you how good he was to be able to jump right from junior hockey you know, to the national hockey league. So now all of a sudden this job is open. This is the summer of 94. The Blazers have won the Memorial cup again. They won it in 92. They won it in 94 and they were going to host the tournament in 1995. Mm -hmm. And Jeez. now Kelly Moore leaves for Winnipeg. This job is open and my eyes like light up. But I also know that, you know, they're going to get like, they're going to get all kinds of applications. It's, it's a great job. It's a great franchise. It's a pretty good city for the Western Hockey League at that time. You know, there's going to be all sorts of competition. And, you know, who knows why decisions are made. I mean, I was probably financially uh, an attractive option, but <laughs> I always think that that probably, I had that working for me. Whatever the case, I used tapes of me calling games at UBC on those Friday and Saturday nights uh, when nobody was listening. But, you know, I, I submitted those tapes to my bosses in Kamloops and went all in and, you know, made the biggest pitch I could. And sure enough, I got the job. And so I wanted to be in the Western Hockey League by the time I was 30. Wow. I think I was 23 when I got hired. Um, you know, which was incredible. And to start 
with this team that's the defending Memorial Cup champions and they're going to host the Memorial Cup my first full year. And it's a team that has, you know, Jerome McGinla and Shane Doan and Darcy Tucker like, and Nolan Baumgartner yeah. and Jason Strudwick and Brad Lukowicz and, wow. you know, all these guys that went on to these incredible NHL careers and Don Hay was the head coach. And, you know, it just like mind blowing stuff for this young guy that sort of had this dream and here it was all of a sudden. And so, that's you know, my first full year ended with the Blazers winning the Memorial Cup on home ice on a sunny Sunday in May of 1995. And, uh, you know, that was kind of the start of of my career, like my broadcasting, my sports broadcasting career. I, you know, it was all kind of coming together for me and did five years there and met my wife. Uh, she actually worked a year at the radio station as well. And, you know, after five years, I kind of had life decisions to make. She had moved back to Vancouver. She had a job down here. And, you know, I wasn't as much fun as I was having doing the play-by-play. I wasn't making a lot of dough. Like that just, you know, that that's life in a smallish town. Yeah. And yeah. They, they gave me this great opportunity, but I certainly wasn't getting ahead. And so I was approaching 30 and I just thought like, you know, I have decisions to make here. Do I chase this woman that ultimately has been my wife now for 20 years, um, you know, or do I just continue to plug away? And at that point, John Shorthouse had just been hired for the Canucks job and, you know, he and I are around the same age. And so I figured like, that's a job that's not going to come up anytime soon now. And I started to look around and, you know, I just thought I'm going to wing it. I'm going to leave Kamloops. People there couldn't believe that, you know, I would do that, that just five years without an, and I, I didn't, like, I did not have work. I, I knew enough people in Vancouver. I was confident that I could find something, but I rolled the dice and came back to Vancouver and was fortunate enough that I got part-time work at CKNW, the station that I had grown up listening to. And here I was working in the sports department at CKNW. It, that was sort of a mind blowing experience for me. And, you know, that was uh, the summer of 99 and I worked at NW until 2006, until the Canucks rights switched and they started to sort of downsize their sports department. And I have been at Team 1040 and yeah, yes, and 1040 ever since. With a, a little blip there, I got uh, caught up in a corporate shuffle uh, late in yeah. 2015 and was gone. I disappeared for a little while, but here I am. They they couldn't get rid of me entirely, so uh, <laughs> it's been a pretty decent run aside from one little blip there uh, at TSN. That, that that's incredible so i mean i mean sticking with the, the tsn theme again i was well first of all i was going to say about like the the blazers i was, was going to say that that was going to be a team until you mentioned all those amazing players like that was those were the againly years like you were seeing yes. these incredible players like start i mean and like how amazing is that of a, as an opportunity to, to learn from that and to see them at that age you know and i know i know it's the cliche to say like well you know they were heads and heels above but you can tell that some of these guys were extremely gifted athletes that were just so much better um but yeah sticking with the tsn 1040 team for i guess just a funny thing is when you go and you sit down and you do like a, a co-host co-host for it who makes you crack up the most when you're sitting in those chairs you know it's funny i have never been a guy that's sort of had my name attached to a show and a lot of people are like how can you you've been in the business this long and you've never really had your your own show i mean i looked at sports talk weekend when i was at nw that was sort of my own show but it was an extension of of dan russell's you know monday to friday sports talk right for me i've always wanted to be involved with the canuck broadcasts and so in order to make that happen 
you know, it always meant sort of positioning myself as a fill-in guy because I didn't want to be tied down Monday to Friday with a talk show. Like it's fun to do talk shows. And, you know, in, in my role, I've basically worked with everybody. Right. And, and it's fun to do that. And it's fun to play off different guys and, you know, everybody's got their strengths and everybody's got their quirks. And, you know, I'm not here to sort of call out anybody because I've enjoyed working with all these people. It's been, you know, I think it's helped me as a broadcaster because you got to stay on your toes. You got to stay sharp. You know, you don't fall into any kind of groove with one particular guy. So, you know, having my name on a show, that's never been a big deal for me. The way bigger deal has always been sort of to be a part of Canucks hosting pre and post game and reporting yeah. around and to stay around the game. And I love like all these years later, I still love the games. I love like the games are the show, right? The games drive the storylines, the great games to describe the, or drive the discussions. I love the post game show. Like I love being on the front line to, you know, people in that visceral reaction and, and, you know, we don't do as much calling anymore with social media. People can vent and express themselves in so many different ways that picking up the phone and calling the local radio station, it doesn't happen as often, but I think as the Canucks get on this postseason run, we're starting to see a little more traffic there on the phone boards, which is exciting to me because it kind of takes me back uh, to a different time in broadcasting. So uh, who cracks me up, you know, um, Again, everybody's got their, like, to, just to get a chance to work with a guy like Don Taylor, who, you know, oh, is just God. such an absolute legend in this business and is as funny today as he was when I grew up watching. I mean, you hate hearing me say I grew up watching him, but, you know, he's got 10 years on me or something. But, you know, he's as funny today as he was when he was hosting Sports Page. Like, he just, he hasn't lost it at all. So, uh, always enjoy any opportunity to get in there with, with Don. You know, I look at a guy like Sakaris who... Uh, certainly has his way of doing things and sometimes you shake your head, but there's a total method to, to his madness. And, you know, I don't always agree with him, but that's a great talk host, right? Is somebody that gets a reaction out of you, whether you agree or, you know, I think it's important a lot of times not to, to agree with the host. Like that's when a host is at his best. If he's taking a, a strong position and it's getting that reaction, you don't want everybody, it'd be boring if everybody agreed with uh, whatever you had to say. So you know, Blake's an easygoing guy. He's just, he's really easy to work with. And we've hosted a lot of hockey broadcasts together. So we have a long history there. You know, Moj cracks me up just like he's willing to sort of play the character. I mean, it, it, people want, is that a character? And and a lot of what you hear on the air is, is Moj. I mean, he's larger than life on the air, off the air. And yeah. uh, he's fun to, you know, he's just fun to be around. And, um, you know, and then I haven't spent as much time working with the morning guys now, Halford and Bruff, but I have certainly spent a little bit of time. And I, I, you know, I've been a, I'm on the air on all of those stations as my current role as Canuck reporter. So, you know, I work with all of them and uh, I just think, you know, we got a pretty good group right now and it's a lot of fun. And, you know, it's been a bunch of dark years for the hockey club and so much of what we do, you know, is just taking the temperature of the marketplace and obviously the Canucks are the big game in town. So, you know, people say, oh, you guys love this because they've been bad for, no, it, it gets tiresome after a while if they're <laughs> always bad, right? Yeah, like, I don't that, it's no, not, people seem to think that that's exactly what we want, that, you know, I hear all the time, like, oh, you guys lost the rights, you know, you're just mad, you lost the rights. <laughs> I'll say to you guys right here, <laughs> if TSN hadn't lost the broadcast rights, the current job that I have as dedicated Canuck reporter traveling around the National Hockey League to all these great cities and venues, it wouldn't exist. You, you think yeah. I'm mad that we lost the rights? 
Like it has presented me with the opportunity of a lifetime that I didn't think would ever come my way. So uh, I don't know, but I, I don't think I sound like a bitter guy that we lost the rights. I, I don't think radio rights mean as much now as maybe they did at one point, uh, you know, where people are watching games on their phones now. And, and they're just like, you know, there, there is currency to having the rights. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I don't think that we at TSN are angry that we don't have the rights. Uh, I just think, it, you know, it's, it's presented different opportunities, different, sometimes different challenges. But for a guy like me, like I really benefited from yeah. another sports station popping up in this city. Right. And all of a sudden, TSN 1040, which had had the rights forever and had always sent a play-by-play and a color guy out on the road with the Canucks. You know, now if you're going to be in this fight and your competition has the play-by-play and they're going to be at every game home and away, you know, TSN thought like we got to step up here and, and create yep. this job of dedicated Canucks reporter. And I was fortunate. I mean, I made a pretty strong pitch again. I had a solid track record of, you know, experience in the market. Uh, they wanted somebody that had done some writing for the web. And, you know, at that point I had a column in the province and I had done other web work and, you know, my social media was sort of, taking off as well and you know again they probably had all sorts of candidates but uh here i am and you know COVID obviously has changed everybody's world including mine i'm not in the bubble in edmonton but uh you know and that's been a change too uh getting back into the swing of doing pre and post game shows from the studio which i've done a lot of years but uh haven't done the last three years because i've been at every canucks game whether at home or on the road so um you know it's just I, I like the sound of our station these days. I, I like all of the day parts and, and sort of the personalities that we've got. And for my role, it's just trying to bring as much Canuck color and flavor and information and, you know, anything that the team is up to, you know, I've sort of got to be on top of it. And so that's how I contribute to the station or to the station these days, all the shows and, you know, still do some writing for the web and, you know, try to stay as active as I can uh, on social media. Yeah. And, and Jeff, honestly, like after talking to you right now, I think the name of the game right now, from what we've heard, even speaking with you today, and like Ben and I had mentioned before, we've spoken with a couple people from TSN and you are absolutely no exception. When I say you, you guys are some of the most positive people. I think Ben and I have ever had the privilege of talking to you guys have such a passion for what you do and such a ability to see past the, the negatives and to look at the positives. And you guys have the ability also to see opportunity where some people might not recognize it. And I know for yourself where you mentioned that you were looking at moving um, even to Kamloops or even to Terrace and, and, and you were saying, you know what, I'm going to move here and I'm, gonna, I'm willing to do it because I see an opportunity out of this and this is something I want to do. And this is a career, I, a career path that I want to take. And this is what I'm going to be required to do in order to get to that point. And you recognize that, hey, I have to put in the work. I have to grind. I have to get to where I need to be by doing this. And your positivity shines through, man. I'll be honest with you. Like just speaking with you right now and listening to what you're saying, you have a very good outlook on on life and and a very good outlook on on your job. And it's uh, it's really cool. It sounds like TSN's a really cool place to work, and it sounds like it's a really positive environment. And like I said, you're no exception. And kind of going back to that before we get into some Canuck stuff, because I know we're getting close to the end here. What would you? What piece of advice would you give to somebody that? is dealing with a situation where they're not sure if they can pull through. Let's say they're in a, at a crossroads in their life and they have a path they want to take. What would you, what, to, what piece of advice would you give to them? 
am a big believer in that line about, you know, find something you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. And look, this business can be ugly. The job is an absolute blast. I'm covering hockey, right? Like it's what I wanted yeah. to do when I was eight years old and here I am all these years later. And so, uh, you know, I, I, the industry itself has gone through a lot of changes. It's, uh, you know, there are dark times or way too many layoffs for my liking. I've been swept up in them a couple of times and it doesn't get any easier, whether it's, you know, me personally or, or friends of mine, like you hate to see that. And, you know, like a lot of businesses, you're being asked to do more with less and, and it can be frustrating. But at the end of the day, I have to tell myself, like there are literally thousands of people that would love to have this opportunity that I've got right now. So on those days when I'm not digging it, you know, you kind of give yourself a pep talk. Uh, I'm glad you brought up that point. Like I've always been a firm believer and I think it's one of the things that's allowed me to persevere. I've been versatile and I've never been afraid to sort of take on a challenge. You know, I, I haven't mastered them all. I'll be the first to admit, but uh, you know, if opportunities arise, I, I find this in this business. And there were a lot of times, like I sort of from about 2006 to 2010, you know, I, I was hanging by a thread a little bit. I was freelancing. I had a column in the Georgia Strait. I wasn't getting as many shifts at the radio station. I didn't have full-time work there. And I had two young kids. And, and you know, there were days where I wondered if this was going to ultimately uh, be the career that I, I had hoped it would be because I mean to that point it had allowed me to make a living and but all of a sudden now you got the responsibility of a family and, and those types of things so um, anytime they asked me at the radio station to do a shift to fill in to host to do whatever I moved heaven and earth to make sure that I could find daycare for the kids my wife was working because if they ask you and you say no the next time they've got a shift they're going to ask the guy that said yes, yep. Yep. where you said no. And I knew that. And that was always a fear that drove me. And so I tell anybody that asks me sort of for advice in this industry, it is, you know, look for your own opportunities. Uh, you know, along the way, I have tried to identify day parts where, you know, there wasn't programming, like for the longest time on 1040, you know, Saturdays are hockey night in Canada, right? Like it, it's the biggest night in, in, on the hockey schedule each week. And we were running syndicated us programming sort of from three until five o'clock. If Canuck pregame show started at five, well, NHL games, the full slate of the early game started at four. And I went to the boss and I said, you know, this us syndicated programming, they're talking college basketball all the time. Like, why wouldn't we try to capture the local market with hockey talk? Like, I want to do a show from three until five dedicated sort of to, you know, that day in the national hockey league. And they were like, Hey, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. You know, I have been pretty like right now I'm hosting playoff game night. This is something that we used to do way back when, you know, I, I had sort of suggested to the bosses, like, let's push it. Let's find out if there's an audience in a different day part. You know, there's such buy-in around the Canucks. Now there are shift workers, there are students that are staying up late, there's taxi drivers, whatever, you know? So I've always kind of been a guy that's tried to get a little creative and try to create opportunities for myself. And when they ask me, I don't say no. And I'm not afraid to try something. If I dabble with something and it doesn't work, you know, at least I gave it a shot there. So, um, you know, I, I've seen too many. I went to school with guys. I've seen too many others that have come in and said, I'm going to do this. Like, these are the goalposts. I'm setting them right now. I don't want to work weekends. I don't want to work nights. I Look, if you want to, if you're truly into sports, if you want to be successful in this when do sports take place? Nights and weekends, yeah. right? Yeah. Other than 
in a hockey in a bubble when they play all <laughs> yeah. day, but, but nothing is as it seems here in the summer of 2020. But for these people that were like, I only want to work Monday to Friday, like get out of here, get, go. Yeah. Yeah, that's one less person I have to deal with. If you're not going to work yeah. weekends and nights, then get lost and I'm going to walk <laughs> right over you. 100%. And I, I just thought it was the craziest thing. So I never understood that. Like, take a look at the landscape, know what you're getting yourself into and yeah. understand that as great as this line of work can be, it comes with some sacrifices. There's no doubt. I have missed so many family functions and barbecues and whatever, and I'm yeah. sure they were great, but you know, this job has been pretty great too, for the most part. So there's a price to be paid and I was willing to pay that price, maybe more than some others, but I would just say to anybody and, and really in any line of work, I think a lot of that can apply is, you know, if you, if you find yourself doing something that you're not totally invested in, you know, don't waste time. Life is short. I've sort of figured that out as we've gone here and yeah. once my kids grow up and, and, you know, time really does fly by. So if you're in a position where, you know, you still got time on your side, I would say think long and hard, find your passion, find a way to, you know, integrate your passion into your professional life. And even now, like there are a lot of people that I know get frustrated because, you know, they, they're blogging or they're podcasting and they are, you know, I want to cover hockey. Well, first of all, there's a really limited number of jobs full-time. I'm lucky, lucky, lucky to have one. But, you know, if, if you are just dabbling in it, you're still writing about hockey, right? If you have a blog, like, you know, maybe you're not monetizing it right now, but don't give up. If you're good at it and you're getting positive feedback, you know, look for opportunities. But, you know, that kind of stuff didn't exist as I started. So even yeah. if you drove a bus by day, and really wanted to be a hockey writer, you can still be blogging about hockey, you know, like what an amazing opportunity to create content that people will read. And, you know, all it really takes is the right person to read something or listen to your podcast and bump it along and give it a little bit of love on social media. Like I, I'm a big believer that strong content will always find an audience. So, you know, get frustrated, sure, but don't quit. Don't throw in the towel, just keep at it. And even if you're driving that bus, you know, tell yourself, yeah, I'm driving the bus, but I'm also a hockey writer and I'm getting a chance to sort of do what I love to do. So keep at it. I mean, that's the beauty of the internet right now is, you know, it's a, the, the table is endless. It's just, you know, it's up to you to sort of yeah. carve your niche and uh, maintain your spot at it. That, that's, that's incredible advice. And, and we really appreciate that too, for, for just going in, yeah, and, and explaining, you know, the whole, <clears throat> the whole being able to, not you know be that one guy that is that is taking that that shot and you know you know so many people are saying like well you know i haven't been able to get where i wanted to get yet or I haven't been able to do what i wanted to do but you know you were the one to say yes to all those types of things where maybe perhaps someone said no and you know that obviously has 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 paid dividends to, to be able to take all those types of things and like you said find create opportunity for yourself right um that, yeah, we thank you for that. Um, we kind of wanted to ask just a couple of questions about the Canucks NHL. And then we usually like to finish off with like a, a would you rather question. So yeah. um, I guess just the, the first thing just about for that, we, at least, in, at least in my opinion, it seems like the Canucks always get up for the Blues. I don't know what it is about it, but how do you think that series is going to go? I give the Canucks a legitimate shot here. I think some of it is, you know, summer hockey in a bubble, all bets are off. I don't know how motivated the Blues are. I think in normal times, which these aren't, you know, you'd really be invested to defend your Stanley Cup title. But who knows if there are guys that have a foot outside the bubble already. You yeah. know, it's just, it's hard to know. So I think of all years to take on the defending champs, you know, this might be a, a pretty good year 
you know, the whole nice advantage thing is kind of out the window, all those teams, yeah. you know, in the same place. And uh, the fact that the Canucks have won three in a row and have a little traction and, you know, even the guys that have never had playoff experience, it's a small sample, but you can't say they haven't played postseason hockey now. I mean, take what you can from those four games against Minnesota. I think Minnesota is a good tune-up matchup now to go up against St. Louis because they play the same sort of style, you know, not a ton of star power, just scoring yeah. by committee, big D uh, St. Louis is better across the board and that certainly has better goaltending, but uh no, I mean, I, I think the Canucks, you know, there's enough to like there. They're top-end guys. Uh, I'm not going to say that they will beat the Blues, but I think that they've got more than a puncher's chance here. And, you know, the other thing is the uh, Canucks on a bit of a run, and St. Louis has yet to win a game in this return to play. Like, yeah. it's the NHL. Like, you always hear guys say you can't flip the switch. You know, we're going to find out. Like, you know, what if St. Louis scuffles along for a few more games? I mean, they could be down a couple to the Canucks and then, you know, then trouble sets in. So they're the champs, you know, I'll give them every benefit of the doubt, but uh, you know, I, the Canucks will have shot. I mean, they played them hard throughout the season and their top guys are going right now. So uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. I, I think the city's excited and, yeah. and I'm looking forward to see, I mean, you're going to have to beat some good teams along the way if you're going to get on any kind of run and, you know, the Blues are the champions. So uh, step into the ring and take your best shot. Yeah. Think, uh, oh, sorry. Just to, nope, just to quickly right. add to that. Um, Canucks look great. Young guys look great. A lot of high scoring offense from these guys. What do you think about Markstrom right now? Is he making you a little bit nervous? I'd like to see more consistency. I'm sure he would. And I'm sure the coaching staff would as well. You know, he was the hero of game three, a shutout. And it looked like, hey, this guy that had never played in the playoffs, like he's arrived, midseason Markstrom's here. And then the back-to-backs. And I don't know if it was a little bit of mental fatigue, but he just looked off. And so, you know, there were highs and there were lows. I'd like to find a little more of that middle ground for Jacob Markstrom. Uh, I, I don't know that I'm worried because there haven't been many nights over the last couple of seasons like there were in game four against Minnesota. But you know, if there are more of those ahead, then trouble is probably lurking right around the corner. So I don't know if I'm worried about Markstrom, but it's interesting that this series against St. Louis is going to follow the same schedule path as the one against Minnesota, where games three and four are back to back. And, you know, that's where he ran into a bit of trouble. So yeah. he and the coaching staff, they, you know, they have to be aware of that, obviously, and they only take them one at a time. But you know, how do they handle Markstrom? How do they work him on the off days and rest and those types of things so that, you know, if it was mental fatigue, like remember, I mean, he hadn't played, he'd been off longer than everybody else because of the knee injury. So for him to get thrown back in and all of a sudden play four and six, if you talk to guys in the NHL, a lot of times, you know, it's not so much back-to-back -back games and even three and four nights isn't the problem. They do find that four and six is where trouble arises in terms of fatigue, and that's yeah. you know something Markstrom just hadn't done in what six months or whatever. So you know I'm not surprised, I guess, that four and six caused a little bit of problem. Uh, but I'm curious to see how he responds and reacts. We know that games three and four, so they're going to get another one of those situations. How does he handle it? How does he perform yeah. in that uh, you know in that situation? How, how have you how have you found um, Fandenberg? It, to me, he, has, he hasn't seemed out of place, even for a guy that's slated to be a seven or eight D man. Yeah, and you know, didn't play in Game Four, but was a late scratch. Took the warm up and didn't play. So uh, it was interesting that Ole Levy took the warm up in Game Three, yeah. didn't play, and then took the warm up in Game Four and did play. So that probably tells you that Fandenberg was nursing something in Game Three, but felt he was okay to go. But again, back to back, uh, yeah. you know, there wasn't much turnaround time. So. 
Uh, it's going to be interesting because Jordy Ben, who was away, you know, the birth of his child down in Texas is back. And I don't think he's an option for game one against St. Louis, but uh, probably will be by the second game and beyond. So Travis Green's going to have some options on that depth defense position, whether it's Fantenberg, whether it's Ben, uh, if they had to turn to Ole Levy again, you know, it'd be kind of curious to see which way it goes. Fantenberg's been okay, but look, it's going to get tougher here. The Blues, you know, one through 12 up front, you know, as I said, a little bit like Minnesota, and yet I just think better across the board. And so the Blues will have last change in the first couple of games. Be interesting to see if, uh, you know, they try to game the matchups. Can they get their top guys out against the Canucks bottom pair? Uh, you know, I, I love all that sort of game within the game stuff and the yeah. adjustments that are made. So uh, we'll see what happens. But Fanberg's been okay, but I also think that he hasn't been so good that he couldn't come out of the lineup again. I mean, they won game four without him. So, you know, in terms of him being indispensable, you know, yeah. I think that, that shows you right there that, uh, and you'll have he barely played. He played six minutes. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm not sure that Fantenberg is locked into that sixth spot. So uh, we'll see. But for me, yeah. it's Myers is more the concern with nine penalties in that first round series. Like, you know, he's got to smarten up. He has to stay yeah. out of the box. I mean, you can't put the Canucks shorthanded and you can't ask 10 Evan Edler just to rack up eight, nine, 10 minutes of shorthanded time a night. Like it just it yeah. compounds. It's those minutes are too hard. Uh, Tyler Myers, like play hard, but you got to show a little bit of discipline as well. hundred percent. And, and even going back to what you were talking about, you levy, um, I've been hearing a lot of hype on social media and with TSN, I believe, uh, where they're talking about you levy being a Travis green favorite. Is that something that is true? Because I know we've heard that Travis Green really likes Ulevi, even though we haven't seen too much from him. And to be honest, even watching him in the most recent game, um, very quiet night from him. Haven't like not a, not very per se noticeable. Um, can you speak to that at all? Well, I think it's a good thing when a guy making his NHL debut isn't all that yeah. noticeable. I mean, nobody was expecting him to be Bobby Orr, right? Like just coming in again. They they measured minutes they tried to find him matchups that he wasn't going up against minnesota's best players and you know he was fine i mean there's just been so much talk around him for four years since he was that fifth overall pick and a lot of people wondered if he would ever play in the nhl and so you know just kind of with the track record and the history and the injuries and everything else in some ways it was fitting that Oli levy makes his nhl debut in a summer bubble play in, you know, like just it, nothing is as it sort of was in the normal times. And, and so uh, there he is, but he's played in the NHL now. Nobody can take that away from him. Uh, Travis Green's admitted, like he just hasn't seen him much. Travis Green's been in the NHL. He has been in the American hockey league for the most part. Uh, but to the kid's credit, he came in, he had a good strong training camp and continued to kind of get better as the camp went along. And, seemed to impress Travis Green. I don't think you would say he was a favorite of Travis Green's at this point, but I think Green was encouraged by what he saw to the point that he played him the other night. And, yeah. you know, I mean, these are high stakes games, right? I mean, that's the elimination game. Um, he had other options. There was so much talk around Brogan Rafferty all year yeah. from the season he had in the American Hockey League. And yet when they needed a depth defenseman, you know, it was a left side guy and Rafferty's a right-hander, but still for Ole Levy to get the nod and he played in that exhibition game against Winnipeg. So, you know, something has happened here along the way that's allowed you Levy to kind of separate himself from both Rafferty and Jalen Chatfield and yeah. good for him. I mean, he's had uh, talk about overcoming obstacles and hurdles and everything else. You know, it hasn't been an easy, easy path to the NHL. So I, I felt good for the guy and for the six minutes that he saw, uh, I thought he was fine. Well, Jeff, we have we have one last question for you, and then we'll then we'll do our would you rather, and we'll let you go. I know yeah. you got to get going here. Um, but so 
in terms of it, I love Sebastian Ajo and I've always kind of been a Canes fan from just seeing them kind of sputter from where they were at to where they are now. Um, is there like a specific player that stands out to you or that, or cause I remember you saying you just, you know, you're like a, you're a student of the game, but you, you, you love just watching it. So is there someone that, is there someone specifically that someone maybe a Hawk fan doesn't know of or that you just like to watch or like, you know, or, or a team that you like to watch that may necessarily does something that is just unique to the style of play? Uh, yeah, I mean, there were a couple. Um, I, this isn't going out on a limb anywhere, but I, I can't get enough of Nathan McKinnon. I, I just, the, the the speed and the power and, you know, I, I get what Conrad David is and does. And I'm in awe of McDavid a lot of nights, but there's just something about the way that Nathan McKinnon sort of stalks his opponents. I, that's the term I always use when yeah. he's got the puck. He's just got such a hunger to score and looks dangerous every single shift. And I just think that's so cool that, you know, there are a lot of really good players in the NHL. He separated himself. He's joined that upper, upper echelon of legitimate stars. And, you know, I've got my eye on him in Colorado this playoffs because I just think that there is a hunger there that maybe doesn't exist with a lot of other teams. Carolina's fun. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, you know, Aho and, and Teravainen and obviously Sveshnikov, you know, they're, they've got some really nice pieces there in Carolina. And I won't be the least bit surprised if they get on some sort of run. And, you know, I just like the fact that they seem to have fun with the game and the whole post-game thing that they've done the last couple of years. Like, you know, hockey is sort of too buttoned up too often that why not like get out it's a game, have fun with it. And they do. So uh, yeah, curious to see there. And, and what I love about, playoff hockey even in the summer in a bubble is just the chance to see some players that you don't see all the time night in and night out like I don't watch the Columbus Blue Jackets an awful lot but you know to see Zach Warensky and Seth Jones and, and sort of what makes those guys so special and people talking about them being you know the best defense pair uh, in in the NHL perhaps like you know I, I've seen, like look I saw them play the Canucks twice this year and kind of kept as close an eye on them as I could in those games. But I'll be the first to admit, I don't watch a lot of Blue Jackets hockey on television. So, you know, I just, I, I love that opportunity about the playoffs to watch teams that maybe you don't watch uh, all the time. And here they are now front and center and will be for the next bunch of yeah. weeks. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, in some ways it's overload with all these games, but at the same time, when the game hasn't been there for four months, it's like, bring it on. I, I can handle the overload and, uh, you know, just getting started here. Yeah, well, we, I, I totally agree with that. I think it's, it's exciting to see it. It's still odd to see with all the, you know, no one in the, in the obviously in the, in the crowd. But um, yeah, so we always love to finish our episodes with a would you rather. So yeah. we got one for you. So would you is rather. It the, is, it the, is it the same one for all your guests? No, very different. <laughs> oh, okay. I would not ask this to a, a flat earther. Trust me. Okay, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> would you rather get Rogers Arena for an OT goal scored by Elias Pettersson to win the cup or have Jim Benning hand over the reins to you as the new GM of the Canucks and make any changes as you see fit for the rest of your life, but obviously no guarantee of that cup. Uh, look, I want to see the city of Vancouver rewarded with a Stanley Cup. Yeah. You know, the, the fan in me has sort of been squeezed out. Like, and times have changed a little bit in this business. I, I think we see more people that have sort of, you know, taken their fandom and harnessed that passion and worked their way into the business to have a voice. And that's fine. I mean, the business has changed. The world changes. You, you have to adapt. 
I come from a time where there was a little bit more independence and, and I felt, you know, the need to have a little bit of a buffer between myself and the team and, and sort of drop the fandom. So, um, but look, there are so many people that are doing so much good work covering this hockey club, which is the roundabout way of bringing it back to, I don't see myself as a fan anymore, but I want the city of Vancouver to win the Stanley cup. Like yeah. I, I'm born and raised here. I know what it means to so many people. So if I can be at Rogers Arena and Elias Pedersen is hoisting the Stanley Cup, I assume Bo Horvat would hoist it first as the captain, but um, he so. can pass it. He can pass it. Well, maybe, who knows? Maybe there'll be a, a mutiny. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I don't want to be the general manager. Like some people think like, oh, you guys in the media, you think you all have the right answers. No, that's not the way the media works. Like I have no designs on being the general manager of the Vancouver Canucks. I'm happy with the job that I've got. Uh, there are a lot of days where being the GM of the Vancouver Canucks or any NHL team would suck. Like, you know, you take a lot of slings, you take a lot of darts. It comes with the territory. Mind you, the victory would be remarkably sweet. I imagine if in fact, Jim Benning can assemble a, a Stanley cup winner, but I have no designs. That's not something that I view. So that's a pretty easy question for me. I would much rather sit yeah. back, cover <laughs> yeah. a Van another Vancouver Canucks Stanley cup run and to see Elias Pedersen with the cup on home ice and hopefully oh. the turn and give it to Quinn Hughes oh. and you know, away you go from there. So hands down thousand percent. That's my answer. It's really not even a difficult decision. <laughs> I love it. I love the answer. You gotta say Jeff, and it was not a difficult decision to ask you to be on our show. Let us tell you that it was phenomenal. <laughs> it was easy. You know, like I said, you've been a part of our lives for so long. We've been listening on the radio for so many years. I think it was only natural that we, we extended this invite to you and we're able to speak with you today, especially because of the fact that um, you're in the business that we love. We love listening to you. We love being a part of, and it's uh, it's a privilege to be able to speak with you, man. Um, thanks again for doing this with us. Yeah. We really do appreciate it. Uh, we know you got to get to it. You know, you're a busy man. You've got a lot of hockey to cover. Um, so once again, everybody, thanks again for dipping into another side of ranch. My name is Mike. And I'm Ben. And thanks again, everybody. Thanks, Jeff. You bet. Thanks again to all of you crusts and tendies for tuning in to another episode of the Side of Ranch podcast. If you want to reach us on our socials, you can on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. And you can leave us a voice message on Anchor. This helps us to chat directly with you guys and to continue to build a supportive community. Thanks again for dipping into a side of ranch. I'm Mike. And I'm Ben.